I love seminary. The seminary I went to was uh, down in the States, and uh, when I was there, I worked part-time in the Dean of Men's office, and I was in charge of the chapel tapes, messages. And for those students who happened to to miss chapel, they would come, and they would ask for the little cassette tape. And of course, all that's now done with podcasts, and... uh, but I loved seminary, and I met my wife in seminary, and I love chapel because, you know, if you kind of like somebody, this is just a great place, you know, to kind of go public with that, and just sort of sit near them, and then they kind of know you're an item, so uh, be careful. That's how people figured out we were an item. That was uh, 10 years ago, so uh, I love seminary, and I brought my study Bible, you know, just in case. People ask me questions after. <laughs> so we are working in a creative access country, and you laughed when he said that. Like, what are you doing over there? No, really, what are you doing over there? And uh, we want to talk a little bit about that today. And uh, we're working among Muslims, and uh, there are 1.2 billion Muslims in the world. And uh, when you're thinking of Muslims, you need to think of them maybe, and this is a way to help you understand them, in two categories, you have identity and you have practice. And identity would be Muslims who strongly agree and identify with Islamic teaching and they faithfully follow it. And then you'd have, in terms of practice, would be those folks who you know, really desire to follow what Islam teaches in its uh, doctrine and seek to be followers of Muhammad and to pray five times a day, and to seek to do those things that are the duties and the responsibilities. So you have identity and you have practice. And so within that, you can have two distinctions. You can have people who are a high identity and high practice, and we would say they're quite devout. Or you could have high identity and low practice, and say maybe those folks are more secular. Well, it's those are the folks that we deal with in our part of the world. And where are we? And we have a little uh, map here. And we're along the uh, area that would be called Central Asia, and uh, because uh, of a forum like this, we don't necessarily say the name of the country that we're in. It is a former Soviet republic, and we are learning the local language. And uh, the Muslims we're dealing with are high identity and low practice, very secular. And uh, just as there's many secular Christians in the world, uh, we're dealing with a lot of secular Muslims. And this is the family that I'm with. This is my family. And that's the next shot. And uh, my wife, Beth, she's American. And uh, my daughter Sophie, Annie, and Benjamin. And we've been back for a year. We've been in that part of the world for five years. And we've been home now for one year, living up in Stouffville and uh, having the best time with uh, our parents. And uh, when you hear my parents, you need to think two words uh, free childcare. That's what that means right there. <laughs> and we love that. That's a good thing. So, what are we doing over there? We're dealing with Muslims, and we're not sneaking in when it's dark trying to get a visa. It's like, keep those kids quiet. We have... We're there legitimately. We're teaching English. My wife's a nurse, and we're working, and we're seeking to establish relationships. And as someone once said, you know, when people like each other, the rules change. And so we're, just, we're not sort of targeting people to get them. We're just in a relationship with them. And I met my friend, Fire. Now, Fire is his name, and what I've done is I've just taken his name, and I've translated it into English. And Fire is a good friend of mine. And I met him during my English classes. And it was my time with Fire, who's a good Muslim in the fact that he's high identity, low practice. And uh, we're hanging out together. And I'm introducing him to my other international friends, my other international workers. 
and uh, that one group is working on the college campuses, and they're quite forward, quite uh, bold in how they lay out the gospel to fire. And he does a little Heisman, I'm not sure if you know that, he gets a little stiff arm, he's not interested, and he tells me he's not interested in those people telling him what to do in terms of changing his religion. So we continue to hang out, and we have him in our home. He's a, f- a favorite of the family, great, great guy, and spending a lot of time with him. And we're sharing meals, we're praying, and he watches us with his eyes open, and just sort of taking in everything about our family. And one day, I'm up in the other room chasing around with kids, and Beth is having, my wife, is having this conversation with fire, and the topic has come up about the final judgment. And it's the issue of this scale. Now, Islamic theology draws on the image of the scale, to describe what's going to happen at the end. And that is where the guardian angels have been recording, according to Muslim theology, all your good deeds and your bad deeds, and one day you will face judgment. And so Fire is talking about that. And Beth says, you know what, Fire? Just one bad thing is going to tip the scale for me. And Fire's thinking, I wonder what she did. That's pretty serious. And Beth is like, no, sin is sin. We cannot produce a righteous record for God to be accepted, for God to accept us. So time passes, we're having this great relationship, and uh, as we're going along, one day one of the uh, Christian women, who's a married woman, has a little boy, first, t- first little child for them, and uh, Fire hears about this, and he comes to me and says, hey John, you got one more for your team. And I said, what, what are you talking about? He says, well you know, you've got your team, you're on the Christianity team, and I'm over here on the Islamic team, and right now you're winning, you got one more than we do. And I'm thinking, okay, Fire, what do you mean? And he says, well, you know, uh, what are you going give, to give this woman for having a baby? And I'm thinking diapers, you know. I, I, I don't know, Fire. And he says, no, 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 you're going to give some money. I said, no, we, we don't do that. And I guess for, there are some sects within the actual Islamic world that actually pay and reward. And I'm like, no, no, Fire, we're not going to do that. And it's one of those moments we just agree to disagree and he thinks we pay, and I say, no, we don't pay, and so we kind of have this little thing. And I watch Fire, and he, Fire kinda, and I kind of continue to hang out, and time passes, and then one day Fire comes to me, and, and he says, you know what, John? I'm going to the mosque a little bit more regularly now, and um, I just want to let you know, I, I don't want us to really talk anymore about you know, your religion and my religion, because every time we do, my respect for you begins to drop. And I said, okay, and... Uh, he says, yeah, let's just be friends. I said, okay, we'll just be friends. And uh, so we continue to hang out together. Now, what's interesting here is he says that with his words, but his actions are telling me this. Now, listen, listen. He says to me, John, I am fully capable of determining my own eternal destiny. And I will get there by my own devotion, exertion, and discipline. Redemption is not a category I accept. I will be my own redeemer. So we continue to hang out. And uh, I don't want you to miss this. I met Fire four years ago. And he was high identity, low practice. Enter the international worker from Canada. And Fire is now high identity, high practice. And you get discouraged, and you ask the question, why bother? Why bother? And I have three questions this morning. That's the first one. Why bother? 
All this time you're invested in someone's life and there doesn't seem to be any kind of results. And not that you have to have results, but you're thinking, Lord, why bother? Why, 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 why? I mean, I'm, I'm discouraged. And our answer, to my, the answers to these three questions, don't come from emotional logic or emotional uh, human logic or human emotions. They come from the sovereign word of God. And I want us to turn there to the passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. And we have this opening verse that says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. You know, when you first go out and you're going to do international work among Muslims, you know, you know what you've signed up for. It's going to be hard. But there's something when you're actually in the midst of it that this phrase here, do not lose heart, actually comes out. You're encouraged by that. Because you realize this is one moment in time. And that you seek to trust God's timeless perspective on these kinds of things and not to lean on your own human perspective. So we don't lose heart, verse 1. Fire and I continue to hang out even though we're not supposed to talk about our religion. And we're hanging out together. And one day I have to go to the courthouse to get some paperwork done. And uh, Fire goes with me. And we get in the taxi. We drive there with the guy. And as I'm getting out of the taxi, my cell phone, I guess, had fallen out of my pocket when I was paying. And it landed on the seat. We're in the courthouse. And I've got to make a phone call. And I look to go where my cell phone is. And I can't find it. I said, Fire, I don't have my cell phone. He says, I'll call your number. So he calls my cell phone, and sure enough, it's the taxi guy answering it. And this is during the holy month of Ramadan. This is a very religious month, and uh, my very devout friend, Fire, he believes that this taxi driver should just return the cell phone. And the guy says, I'll return it, but I want a little bit of money. And Fire just, he starts screaming at this taxi driver. You shouldn't require, he's a guest in our country. And he's yelling at this guy. And I'm thinking, Fire, he's going to hang up on you. And he does. I said, fire, you need to be sweet. And he says, he should not be. I said, fire, let's call him back, call him back. I said, okay, let's meet at the subway. Now, fire, maybe I could talk to him. He said, no, 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 trust me. And I said to him, fire, it only takes a spark to get a fire going. (laughs) I didn't say that. That was the joke. So I said to Fire, Fire, let me do the talk. He says, no, 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 I can do this. So we're walking through the park. I said, now listen, Fire, there is nothing you can do to make that man change his behavior. You can't shame him from the outside. You can't manipulate him. He says, I just want to have a word with him. I said, no, no, let me get the cell phone first. So we get there. There's the man. I go up, and I get my little money in my hand, and I shake the taxi driver's hand, and as I get my cell phone, all of a sudden... Fire is yelling at this taxi driver, and he's yelling back at fire, and I'm sort of standing back and thinking, wow, look at them go. And inside me, as I'm standing there in the shade on that September afternoon, I'm thinking to myself, he doesn't want me to talk about my religion, but I want to say something about my religion. And they finish up, and he comes back over. And I look at him, and I said to him, I said, Fire, you said to me, don't talk about my religion. But I want to say this thing, this very specific thing, that you, on your team, you're trying to change that taxi driver from the outside in. And our team is about an inside-outside change. 
And he looked at me, and I could tell by the look in his eye he didn't get it. And here comes the second question. Fire, why don't you get it? And this is not something that's lost in translation. He doesn't understand it. It's not some grammar point. This is an issue of the heart. This is a verse 4 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Why doesn't he get it? The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Great description of the condition of the heart of those who don't know Christ. So fire is blind. And the solution to his blindness is found in verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So the God who created light in the beginning is creating light in the human heart. But only this time it's not a physical light. It is, the end of verse 6, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And that's what I want fire to see. Fire, the truth, the beauty, the worth, the glory of Jesus Christ, your Redeemer. So time passes. And uh, we've got a great home church that sent us to our part of the world five years ago, and they've been tracking with us. And so they call us. They say, John, Beth, you're coming home for the year. What are you looking forward to? And my wife says, corporate worship. I said, customer service. And George is thinking, I probably should have booked the wife from the chapel today. So, it's near the end of our five years, and it's hard living in that part of the world. And uh, one afternoon, I'm, it was a Sunday afternoon, I'm, I'm looking to get some food for the family, and um, I go to this little place, and it's got food already prepared there, and it's got a little cafe to get next door. And, and something happened that day, and I just snapped. And I started to yell at this sweet 55-ish woman who's behind the counter, and I am yelling at her in the local language. And ladies and gentlemen, there's a little bit of this on the counter going on, and I am yelling at her, and she is the sweetest lady. Not. She's yelling back at me, and I'm yelling at her, and she's yelling at me, and I pay for my food, and I grab what I had there, and I walk out. And here's the scary part. I thought that went well. Everybody yells in this country. I am being culturally relevant. (laughs) And I'm walking down the street. And the conviction comes that that wasn't right. And you need to go make it right. So I call my friend Fire. Oh, he's tickled. Someone from their team needs my help. And I say to Fire, I say, Fire, this is what I did, and this is what I said. And he starts to laugh. 
that's not the right grammar ending. And I said, fire. She understood what I wanted to say. And I want to make it right. So we go the very next day, and I'm sorry. This is just who, who I am. You're, just, you're walking into the place. You're going, oh, please, let it be her day off. <laughs> and you walk in, and you see this employee of the month poster, and you just, oh, I hope it's not her. <laughs> and you go up to the counter. Fire, there she is. It's like a dad and son moment. He's just as proud, and I'm the little boy. And we go to the counter, and I say the dumbest thing. Do you remember me? <laughs> and she does. She does. She smiles, and I say, you know what? I was here yesterday, and I didn't treat you with respect. And my words weren't honoring to you. And I, um, I want you to forgive me. And I look over at fire, and he is just beaming. And I don't say this, but I want to say this. How about we go find your taxi driver? And I walk out, and I'm on the street. And here comes the third and final question. Why me? God, I'm weak. I'm fallible. Find somebody else. Send the angel Gabriel. Put a big billboard in the sky that says, repent. You know, we know that God speaks to people in visions and in dreams. He could just speak to everybody in visions and dreams. But verse 7 tells us, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. What a great verse to describe human weakness. This um, metaphor here, treasures in jars of clay, is a reference to me and it's a reference to you. that compared to the treasure that's within us, we're clay. And I've been encouraged from this verse that when I feel average or below average in my fitness for sharing the treasure of the gospel, I'm probably closer to the truth than someone who feels powerful or wise or self-sufficient. <laughs> because it's not, not by great intellect or great eloquence or beauty or strength or cultural cleverness. <laughs> because, listen, listen. We our living and breathing testament of the relationship that God wants to have with man. And it's not in our perfection that we're accepted by God. 
It's not this righteous record that we have to present to God. What a contrast to the striving of my friend Fire and the demands that Islam puts on him. So I want to close with this benediction to you. And it's a quote. It's not from scripture, but it's a quote that says this. Be encouraged, O ordinary Christian. You are appointed precisely in your ordinariness to do the greatest work in the world. Showing the treasure of Christ so that the surpassing power belongs to him and not to us. Go in peace.